Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode 45, for Monday, December 28th, 2015. And welcome to Gig Gab here in Durham, New Hampshire. For the last time for you this year, I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Las Gatas, California, it's Dave's good friend, Paul Kent. How are you, my good friend? Good. How was your Christmas? Yeah, really nice. We had uh, uh, we, we stayed home and had my brother and his family and my dad and his wife over and uh, enjoyed our day. It was actually a really relaxing, kind of smooth, fun Really enjoyable. How about you? That was great. My uh, daughter came in from New York and uh, we've had a wonderful week with her. We did my wife's family on, on Christmas Eve and then a full day at our house. Totally not not relaxing for my wife who cooked her behind off, but but uh, a fun day for everybody. And, you know, our local basketball team here is doing awesome. And they played on on Christmas Day. So oh, nice. it was a great, a great day. Not much music involved with my Christmas Eve or my Christmas Day. I played yesterday, which okay. was uh, Sunday. But uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, I, I don't even think I had a guitar in my hands. Huh? Wow. Well, it's good to take That's a day right. off and spend the day with the family. That's good. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It keeps you human. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. How'd your gig go yesterday, though? It was really good. And, and I have to say, mental note to myself that a couple days after Christmas, especially if it's a weekend is a really good, you know, people are ready to get out of the house. You know, they've kind of done their in-house celebrating. We had a packed house. I even had a great friend surprise me, a high school friend show up at the gig and, uh, and sit in on a couple, which was beyond awesome. So awesome. And the, and you know, it was, it was one of those things. It's a two hour, the trio usually plays three hours. So two hours seems like a walk in the park. Time went by really fast, but people were in a great mood. You know, everybody was still very festive yeah. and the music was sounding great. It was really, a, it was a nice day for a gig. It was really a lot of fun. And you can get away with that. We all can get away with that next year. But um, after that, we got to wait a little while, right? Because uh, it's a leap year in 2016, which means Christmas is on a Saturday as opposed to uh, no, Christmas is on Sunday next year, isn't it? Uh, right? Is that right? Now, where you are, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. What, what you know? I'll, I'll look it up. We have we have devices that can help us. Tell we, us have, we have the technology. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Christmas is a Sunday next year. So uh, file this away, folks, and then you know, in a couple of years, when Christmas is on a Thursday again, you can you can do this. Take a gig on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Or even Saturday for sure. Yeah. How about you? Did you play this past week? Um. Yes and no. I did. I, I played. I was not planning on it. Um, my son, who's 14 and typically plays bassoon, uh, is taking a guitar class this semester in eighth grade. It's something every eighth grader does. And uh, and he's been doing pretty well with it. He's actually because of his schedule, he's he's able to take the class twice a day on most days. So he's his his you know proficiency with the instrument is is getting pretty good. And on one tune, he told me uh, they were playing rock around the clock and, and they were putting these songs together and they did like a little concert for the school. And then they're going to do one for like parents and stuff uh, in a couple of weeks. And uh, this concert for the school, 
he was, they were getting ready for it and they asked him to play bass on, uh, on this rock around the clock tune. And so he was showing me the part and I, I don't play guitar like you can, but I, I understand the instrument. I play a little bit and he was doing some things that were slightly inefficient. And I'm like, Oh, let me show you that. And then suddenly he was playing too fast. Right. You know? And so I said, well, who's your drummer on this song? And he says, nobody. I'm like, okay, well that means you're the drummer. So let's get out the click track and, and, you know, lock it in so that you know what it feels like to play this thing in time. And he did that, you know, and he worked through it and he played with it after school a couple of days and he was good. And then I kind of realized I'm doing a bunch of travel in January. So I emailed the band director and I said, Hey, do you mind if I come and uh, watch the show? I just don't know that I'm going to be in town when they do this. And I'd love to see him play. And he was like, sure. And I helped the band out a ton. I do sound for him all the time. And and so this guy knows me well. And, and I, I even offered, I said, I'll run, I'll, I'll run sound for you. Cause they had singers and stuff. So I did that and I get there. And, uh, and when they're about to play rock around the clock, the band director looks at me and he's like, Hey, you're here. Why don't you play drums on this song? We need a drummer. So I get to play, uh, I get to play drums with my son playing bass and thank goodness I worked with him on the click. He locked right in. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was awesome. Actually it was, and That's it was cool. a, a real treat to, to play with him. Obviously, obviously. So, um, so uh, yeah, yeah. Playing wise, I was going to say that well, I definitely was the highlight of, of the week. Um, I had a really good band rehearsal with Fling last night. We, we did a couple of fun things, but um, which was good too. So it's all, it's all cool. been good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I suppose before we move on, we should take a moment and um, Lemmy, the singer of Motorhead passed away today. And we should probably acknowledge that. I mean, I'm not a big metal guy. And, uh, but for those who are, that's kind of the, that's for many, that's the epicenter of, of metal. And so, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he was the beginning of it or it, yeah, like you said, I mean, sort of the, one of the foundational people there. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, rest in peace, Lemmy and, um, uh, another great singer and another great performer in that big band in the sky. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. They go too fast. Yeah. That's how it works. All right. So I, I have a good idea. All right. The idea is this, this is our year end love letter to the club owners in the world. You and I are going to process through not knowing what it's like to run a club, but if you and I were to run a club, what would we do to be successful having a club that offered live music? The the musician's perspective, and I'm going to say right out there, we know nothing about the economics of hiring bartenders and, and stocking alcohol and beer and waitresses and that type of stuff. But let's just talk about, what we've discovered and uh, you know, maybe, maybe some club owner out there will get a good idea from this. Maybe we'll get some hate mail, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, I thought it'd be interesting to kind of process through. If you and I our our great aunt leaves us, leaves us a little chunk of change and we want to get into the, into the venue and, business. And for some reason we want to work uh, evenings and weekends. Uh, right. Yeah. Every, every evening and every weekend, every right. single evening and weekend. Right. So yeah, this is what we're both going to do when the great aunt leaves us a, a chunk of change. So um, the first thing I'll say has nothing to do with music at all, but you know, I mean, I'm a business guy. You're a business guy. You, you know, you can't help but pay attention to the things you see as you travel from club to club. And the yes. one piece of advice that I would give to any club owner and certainly give to the Paul and Dave uh, enterprises, it would be um, any every successful club that I have seen and played in that that has any longevity 
makes more of their money selling food than they do selling booze. Mm. Has nothing to do with right? music. Yeah, it is. I've paid, I paid attention to it and I've asked, I've talked to club owners about it and they all are like, oh yeah, dude, I sell food. That's what I do here. Yeah. That's ask- interesting. Intrinsically, that doesn't make sense to me because you've got a stock food, you know, yep. for, for, for an $8 ham- hamburger, or $10 hamburger, you've got to get a chef. You've got to have a kitchen. You have to have all the things that keep a kitchen going. Yep. You have to worry about waste. Whereas alcohol, it's poor, 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 poor. And, and away you go. Yep. I know it, it. it's, but you know, food brings people in. They, they're there longer because of food, right? It, you, it gives you a steady clientele regardless of what else is going on. Um, food is, is a big part and usually the largest part of the formula for uh, successful clubs. I realize that's, that's a right. total tangent for, for where you thought we were going to go with this, but I just throw it out there. Yeah. But it's interesting though. So, so our, the first decision we're going to make with our aunt's money is to uh, make sure we have a, a, a quality kitchen. Good it's food, weird that we have this, this, important. this aunt in common. That's funny. Isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, quality kitchen. And but uh, in terms of it, you know, in terms of thinking about what to do for a band. Um, so let's let's talk about. I mean, there's so many things to go. So let's let's just start. Let's talk about logistics. How are we going to lay out this club? Is there going to be a stage? I think I think yes. If you're going to be a music venue, a real music venue, yeah, I think you have to commit to a stage, some basic lights. And a sound system. Okay. So the sound system is an interesting thing, right? Because, you know, are we going to put the money in to put the right sound system in and have somebody come and tune the room? I mean, well, let's let's go between the two of us. Right. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So the scope I'm thinking about is like most bars that have live music, Let's just say it's about a 200 to 250 person capacity. That okay. might even be on the large side. I don't know where gonna, you are, but yeah. here, that'd be actually a decent sized venue. That's that's large. I would say it's more like 150. That's right. All right. So now think about that for a second, Dave, because at 150, even at 250, a really good club sound system is not that big of an investment. Four grand, maybe. That's probably right. Yeah. Right? Yeah, probably. You know, a good digital mixer, decent subs. You know, a good digital mixer, you know, is going to have all the, all the effects built into it now. So yep. you don't have to do racks of stuff. Yep. You know, some monitors, decent mains. I think four grand, you can set up a club that size very, very suitably. Yeah. Respectively. Let's say five. Because, I mean, you want to you got to get enough mics and all that stuff, too. Right. Sure. Yeah. And but I, here's an interesting thing. We, we should back up a second. The deal is this. I say if we're going to open our club with our aunt's money, our mutual aunt's money, <laughs> That that uh, the first thing I would look you in the eye and say is we need to own the responsibility of the qualitative experience of our audience. And th- the, most of the things I'm going to have to say about on this topic. Yeah, we'll go back to that. I, so I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. It is on us to make sure the audience is happy. And think about that. This goes down in many ways. So is the presentation of the music good? Yeah. Then that's sound and lights and stage, yeah. right? Yeah, no, it is. That's right. It has to be. An, it's an experience, right? So, are we providing? Uh, so, in in addition to providing the equipment for uh, sound, are we providing someone that handles that every night? A sound engineer. 
Well, I mean, if we're going down this path that we're committed to the qualitative experience of our of our audience, probably. And this goes to several things, right? Because, you know, there is that threshold of good loud and the threshold that a lot of bar bands go, which is over loud, which actually ends up losing you some customers. Never will gain you a customer. No No one. No one ever walks out of a bar saying that was so freaking loud. It was awesome. (laughs) Right. You know, you want to be loud enough to, you know, play rock and roll music. But you don't want it to be so loud that it's oppressive, and only a real pro knows how to dial that in. That's true. Uh, yeah, you gotta. And have what does the it right cost? Ge- what, what does it cost? You know, per night to have a sound guy. Two hundred. He doesn't have to lug any gear. Nope. Two hundred bucks. Probably two hundred bucks. Yeah, I think that's right. All right. So, so think about this. If you've got a, a bar, and you're going to invest in, you know, making sure it's a stage. The presentation is great. The sound system's absolutely adequate. It's professionally mixed. There's lights, you know, the, the visual impact of the music is going to be there. You really can, you know, you, a, I'm going to bet most people in your area are not doing that. Right. I no, mean, I know in my, I, I, in my can, area, I can count all the clubs that are doing it on certainly one hand, possibly one finger. All right. So this is the point you and I are business guys. You have immediately differentiated yourself. That's right. Right. The qualitative yeah. experience of what you're going to do. And again, I'm thinking to myself, all right, if I'm if I'm a club owner listening to this, getting angry is saying these guys don't know what they're talking about. You know, you're probably thinking of stuff like, well, I've only got X amount of square feet and, you know, it costs money to, you know, map out too much of that for the band or, to, you know, all these types of things. But at the end of the day, the band's got to stand somewhere and the sound they're going to bring in a sound system anyway. And lights are, you know, that's not a terribly expensive proposition. So I don't know what incrementally what the thinking is when a when a bar owner doesn't do this unless unless the thinking is you know I don't have the money the five you know it cost me everything to open my bar I don't have five grand to you know invest in something like that yeah. but my point is if you go this route you have immediately differentiated yourself in terms of the professionalism yeah you're a music, now we get into you're a music the, venue at that point which it, and right. and and that will be noticed by musicians and and audiences. Uh, you know, crowds alike. Right. Yeah. I'll tell you the next thing is I would go out and, and find, I would be picky about the bands. We and I have touched on this many times. I would not go the route of leaving it in the various bands in my area's ability to draw that that's where this is going to happen. You know, I would have an advertising budget. Yeah. I would be committed to it, but I'm going to keep going with this because I'm going to go with it this far. My goal is to make sure everybody who sees that ad comes to my club, whether it's because I've brought them in or because the band brought them in, know that me as this club owner is committed to a great musical experience for people. I want to build the reputation that if we're going to put a band on the stage, if you have something to do on a Friday night, you can almost always count that it's going to be quality entertainment. That's going to be happening here. Well, so, and you, that's, you know, you have, ahead. well, you have the, the flexibility, especially if we've got, a sound system and a sound person, you know, a sound engineer, they're running the kind of running the show. You can, you have the option now of having multiple bands in one night. Whereas if you don't have a sound system, now you're leaving it up to a band to bring that in. You're basically a one band per night kind of club. And there's nothing wrong with a one band per night kind of club, but especially as you're trying to get yourself established, Having an experience where people can come and see, you know, two or maybe even three bands over the course of a night can actually be a good thing. 
because it just constantly changes, right? And and that can keep people. I don't, I don't know if I ever told you. I once went to a New Year's Eve party. No, no, it was like an industry party. Okay. Um. So a, a big industry party, and they had um two bands, slightly different styles of mu- music. One was a funk band. One was a rock band. And they did one set on, one set off. You know, they switched off. So the music was constant for four hours. Now that gets a little weird with That's sharing weird. backline and that type of stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. But but for the attendee, if you're there to dance. The music was constant for the whole night, which was kind of cool. But I agree. That's weird. You know, you want to let people kind of, you got to have your band. You want to have your stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. In terms of the backline and stuff, it's true to a degree, but it, it can work. Right. You know, it, it, um, to, especially to kind of get things rolling. It, it, it's more of a logistics headache, but even doing it, you know, twice a month where you've got, you know, three bands in in a night can, can be something to bring people in. It keeps it fresh. You know, I think back, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen this and I've done it a lot, but I think back on my South by Southwest experiences where, you know, most of the time a band plays 40, a 40 minute set. It's 40 minutes on 20 minutes off, 40 minutes on 20 minutes off for five bands all all night. That's a little crazy Mm -hmm. to do uh, in, in in a normal scenario. But what it presents for you is the option of seeing a band put on their best stuff and even if they suck or even if you don't prefer their musical style or somewhere in between there's in 40 minutes of whatever that band feels is their absolute best. You're going to actually get something good out of it. You know, even if mm. it's just seeing them try their hardest, <laughs> you know, there's, I there's, think- there's a redeeming quality there, but even if you hate it, it's over in an hour, it's done. You know, you're not stuck with three hours of this. You don't have to go somewhere else. Just hang on for the next band. I think what I would do is I would do that, like make Thursday night showcase night. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe Sunday. Night. Well, I'll tell you in my town, there's a lot of people who work for 10 hour, you know, weeks and Thursday night is, is a week, the beginning of the weekend for them. Thursday night's usually a pretty good going out night around here. So I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I, w- I like that idea a lot. I don't know if I put it on a night where, um, where I wanted to ensure yeah, that people are going to get a consistent thing, but it's a really good idea. And it's a good way to get other bands coming through and heck, maybe it's not a bad way. You know, we haven't even talked about that whole concept. Would I require the band to draw? Would I put all my eggs in the basket of the bands having to draw, which no. is what many, many clubs around here do. No, no, is the answer. I wouldn't, right. I wouldn't but, do it. Yeah. I, he, but he, I would share that responsibility. With sure. Them. Oh, oh no. It, it should be a shared responsibility for absolutely. Um, you want, but you want the band incentivized to do it. And you yeah. want, you want also want the band to know that you're incentivized to do it. And when it becomes a team sport, it's a whole lot more productive than the, you know, screw you. It's on you mentality, which can go either direction, you, you know? Um, yeah. yeah, no, it, it definitely needs to be shared. And the club, Having, you know, some level of marketing budget, you know, hopefully our mutual aunt left us some, you know, some extra money for that. Uh, (laughs) Well, because, you know, bands, you're not you can't expect a band to have a huge marketing budget. You can expect them to be able to do extremely targeted marketing, which is what a band is good at. Right. You know who the people are that come to see you. And if you don't go back and listen to a couple of the other episodes because you should. Right. But, you know, that's that's. That's all you can expect a band to do. But a club can do a little bit more than that, especially if it's a club that 
has a presence or is building a presence of being a music venue, people might just check it out anyway and say, Hey, who do they have? Ah, yeah. Okay. Or there's, you know, if you've got like a local paper or whatever it is that we could advertise in, just have a standing ad every, you know, every Thursday and whatever that paper is, this is what's going on, you know, between Thursday and Wednesday in our club. Right. And obviously it's going to highlight the weekend, but it's also going to carry through until the next ad comes out. And if you're consistent about that, I think it can Absolutely. really help to build it. Yeah. I would tell you another thing I would do is I would, as a club owner, I would alternate with you, my brother with a common aunt. I would, um, I would, I would MC the night. I'd, I'd open the night, welcome people to the, to the venue, introduce the band. I would make sure the people coming to my club knew and liked us yes. and understood how committed we are that we are going to be bringing live music here Friday nights or dance nights, Saturday night or, you know, whatever we're going whatever to do in terms of yeah. whatever it is, we were going to sell our agenda every chance we got to let people know we are your host for the night. We're really glad you're here. And we, you know, we, we look for really great entertainment and tonight it's dance night and here's a great dance band. So-and-so, you know, love to talk to you, uh, you know, at the breaks or, at the or breaks. seek me out if you have anything to say, whatever it is, yeah. but I would make sure everybody in that club, you know, and at the break, I would get back up there and bring them up again. But I would work my crowd and let them know I am your host. I'm glad you're here. I appreciate your business. Yep. And uh, music is very important to us. You're here because you like music. Uh, you know, we're always going to be bringing quality music here. So count on us. Yeah. And, and that, that's I don't another ever see anybody do that. No, it, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such it's and well, I mean, I say it's an easy thing to do. It's an easy thing for you to do. It's an easy thing for me to do. But it's it most club owners don't look at it that way. Um, but yeah, you're right. And, and you make yourself not just put yourself on stage and, and say, Hey, thanks for coming. And then go hide in the back. It, be there, it, you know, as much as you can be present, be present. Mm-hmm. And that way people right. can say thank you to you. But also if somebody has a legitimate concern or something, they know they can bring it to you or me. Right. And that's that, that builds loyalty, you know, much better than any ad in a paper even ever would. It's, you know, knowing knowing that, yeah, I'm going to Paul's Paul and Dave's place, whatever it is. Yeah. That's what it's gotta be. My, my best friend in the world, we grew up together. He owns uh, a gold's gym in New Jersey. He's owned it with his partner for a long time. They are as hands on a small business owner as I've ever seen. And, uh, and it's paid off. You know, the gym business is incredibly competitive business. The bar business is incredibly competitive business. And, uh, and, you know, it's, it's like a business one-on-one people do business. People spend money with people they like. It's yeah. really a simple concept. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. Every, every purchase decision and anywhere is made based on emotion. I've always said that now, sometimes emotion comes from a spreadsheet, right? You, you go through and you do all your numbers and you're like, Oh yeah, I feel good about this. And then you go do it. But there's other times right. where it has nothing to do with a spreadsheet, right? It's like, I like that place or I like that company or I like whatever, I'm going to hire them or I'm going to pay them and that's it. And, and, and and it's so easily lost, especially in this business. And you'd think, I I mean, I've always said every business is the customer service business, right? It doesn't matter what you do. You got to serve your customer, but this one, it's so transparent, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's basically naked of, of course you're serving your customers. I mean, you're literally serving them either food or beverages. So (laughs) what, what, how how does this not translate more uh, to club owners? Yeah, I mean, there, it seems like there is. I mean, I don't want to overgeneralize. It seems like 
club owners get into the club business for different reasons. Um, you know, they, they're coming from whatever place they're coming from. You know, they like the, they like the stereotype of the barkeep, you know, talking to his friends, you know, they, they could be a, you know, a social, you know, they want to be the, the big host in town, whatever it is, but you know, nobody gets into the bar business to not try to make money, but the music thing, you know, even, even experienced club owners, they seem to be just weary of the music thing. And I, you know, maybe because it's a, you know, it's a X amount of thousand dollar commitment, you know, on a given night, but maybe we should just drill down on this a little bit because I think it, it's worth saying that, cause we've talked about bands, you know, you have to charge and, you know, you have to deliver the goods and be worth your money, but you, you need to charge a fair price and those types of things. But yeah, you know, let's just think about this for a second. I play one club where we get the door. So we're fully incentivized other, other bands, and we draw well, you know, we're one of the few bands that have gotten our act together and, you know, work a mail list and work Facebook and work, you know, social media. Sure. And we do well. And we knew we were, we would be willing to take that as opposed to, you know, a guarantee, which was too low, but it made the owner, that was his comfort zone. Sure. And, you know, now I'm sure he's thinking, you know, well, he's a good guy. He probably, he's probably thinking they, they, they're bringing the people they earn it because he doesn't advertise the bands and that type of thing. But, um, then there's another club in my town that, you know, has been around for a long time. He's got a great built-in audience. He's picky about the bands, but he did the work to develop a vibe in his club that was, you know, this. it's not so much about the quality of music, although they do have quite good bands. It's more like um, the social scene at his club sure. is a consistent thing week to week to week. You know, you will find other single people. You know, there will be people dancing. You know, it's generally gotcha. a very safe place to go. You know, that type of thing. So yeah. he's built that vibe. <clears throat> he pays the bands pretty fairly, but all. And, you know, if 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 they if he has a bad night, the band is going to suffer. You know, you know, he's going to tell the band, you know, I usually do this and I had you and it's not, you know, it didn't work out that way. So <laughs> it's got to be you. But um, he pays a, a pretty fair, a fair deal. Sure. Um, but I, if we just opened our club, you know, I would probably go get the top four bands in the area, make a big deal about them. So, you know, announce to the world that I'm taking this pretty seriously and uh, and have some fun and, and, and throw some pretty good live music parties. Well, that's it. You know, that's the key right there is instead of simply opening the doors on any given Friday night and bringing in whatever band it is that's going to be there on that particular Friday night and selling beer to whoever walks in and maybe some nachos and paying the band at the end of the night and saying, thank you. You hit on it right there. You're throwing a party every night you're open. And that's what it needs to be. And it doesn't need to be an extravagant party, but just the thought of having that vibe. I mean, that opens up the door to, okay, well, I'm going to, somebody needs to host the party. Who is that? Right. And we've already addressed it. What, what's the vibe of the party? And it can be the same party every night. That's okay. Right. You know, but that's the, that's what it needs to be is, is that vibe of we're throwing a party and you can come to the party. That's so there you go. So, so now we get into all the other things. So you, you've put a good band on there in a good situation and the obvious stuff, you know, is your, is your club attractive? Is it clean? And then is your staff communicating the brand message 
that you need in order to fulfill the brand promise, which this is a good place to come and listen to music. Right. Is the staff, you know, are they there? Are they friendly? Are they honest? Are they fair? Are they, you know, everyone from the bouncer to the person taking money at the door to the bartenders to any, you know, other kind of staff you might have on, on site. Are these people representing your band, your brand and making people feel as though this is a welcoming place that you're happy to have them. And, uh, and, and I, I would say, that's a mixed experience at many clubs. You know, you get everything from, you know, cantankerous, bitter servers in some places to um, uh, clueless, you, you know, people no concept of customer service. And a lot of times they put those people at the door, which is crazy because that's the first yeah. point of contact a lot of people have it's, with your club. It's literally the front door. That's right. Yeah. Literally the front door. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think. I, I think staffing is a very, and I, and I don't think it's brain surgery to find people who will do a good job, especially if you're a good club and you're bringing in good people and everybody's yeah. tipping. And, you know, if you, if you create a an environment that, that demands respect, I believe you will get it. It's, it's my experience with every other kind of business. Yep. I don't know why it would be any different, you know, by running a, a, a bar or a club. No, you, you have to embrace it. Uh, you know, I, I have, um, I have a friend who opened a restaurant, not a, not a nightclub, but a restaurant, uh, locally here about five years ago and he looked for people to invest and it was a short money thing. But I asked him, you know, I, I said, well, what, you know, what experience do you have running a restaurant? And there was none like, oh, okay, well, that's a tough business even for a pro. Uh, and, and I said, well, okay, what, what's the schedule going to be? And he said, well, I'm going to be open uh, Monday through Saturday and I'm closed on Sunday because it's going to be fam- That's family time. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. well, you're right, but uh, it's Sunday is family time. Don't you think that that's when families go out to eat? You know, maybe that would be a good time <laughs> to have your restaurant open. And and but, you know, it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning. We're, we're opening this club because we're choosing to spend all of our what would be leisure time to every other human on the planet working. Right. That That's just how it is. And you have to accept that coming in. But there's no reason you know, that you have to then give up on family time. In fact, the club should be treated like family, right? Especially your employees, but even your patrons. Right. And, and I know you would run things this way and I would too. It's just, I think it's it's in our nature, but so many places you walk in and you don't get that family vibe. But when you walk into a place that's run like that, you get it immediately. It's palpable. You know yes. that it's like, oh, I this is this is cool here. Everybody's cool. Everybody's happy. And you know, I mean, there's going to be problems, and there's going to be a disgruntled employee here or there. Whatever things happen, you know, and there's going to be an unhappy customer because something happened or whatever. And you're going to have to we just deal with that because that's just part of business. And but it 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 starts with that family vibe. I really believe that. Well, I would I would actually frame this a little bit differently in that. If you go into the business to serve yourself before you go into business to serve your customers, you know, if you're like, it's my business, if I want to be closed, you really, you know, it's your right to do it. It's your money. It's your aunt's money. It's it's our, it's our aunt's money to be fair. It's our aunt's money. But at the end of the day, if you run a club and you know, people want to go out to dinner, you know, from six to 10 and you're only open from nine to 10, you're, you know, you're probably not serving your customers very well. If people want to go out and listen to music and you're, you know, you decide to bring, you know, other types of acts in, you know, you're probably not serving your customer base. You know, what is your brand? 
What does it mean to your, what do you want it to mean? How do you portray how it means? And then you got to test and test and test and make sure that you're communicating yep. effectively. Yeah. Tuesday is juggling night. Tuesday. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Our aunt loved ju- juggling. She did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Plus let's, uh, let's talk about a few, <laughs> let's talk about a few musical things to be fun. I'll tell you one. This has been on my mind a lot lately with you in my bar. I would hire a band as the house band and make Friday night's house band. Night. Now they have to be great. They have to be incredibly joyful to watch and entertaining and fun to dance to. But I would invest in the consistency of an experience and uh, getting some familiarity built. And so I, I would, that's something I actually feel really, sh- and no one does that out here. They're, the concept of a house band is a pretty foreign thing here. What do you, what do you find back there? Um, I, that is true. I, there are, there are some clubs where you'll get a house band or depending on, on the venue, even a single person, if it's like a, an acoustic thing, where that person runs the open mic night or a jam night or something. So there, yeah. there's that level of consistency, but that's very yeah. different than having a house band where you don't have members of the audience coming up to play. Right. Right. Um, but think about this for a second, because that that's a good, if you were to offer somebody a, a regular gig like that, you know, I know the musicians in this area and that's what they're looking to work. Right. Yep. So if you're going to create something where people can work regularly, you can actually, you know, find. Yeah. Why not own it? Well, own it. And I'd actually go out and find the guy who has that reputation of being like one of the guys and say, hey, will you put together a house band? You know, let's make this a thing. Yeah. I think that's a good gig. You know, to me, that'd be a good gig. I I like it. No, I think it's a great idea. I mean, I, you know, I think back, I'm trying to decide, does it make, there's actually a really good argument to do exactly what you're talking about and put it on Friday nights. I, I, but I'm reminded of how the Dave Matthews band built up their following. Right. And they played, they were the house band at two different clubs in Charlottesville, Virginia, one on Tuesday Mm -hmm. nights and the other on Wednesday nights. And it was every week for, I was going to say forever, but they were, you know, they were only a band for like eight months before they went on the road and sold a hundred thousand copies of their record on the road. (laughs) But, but they, they credit that as a huge part of their success, right? Because they were playing, I mean, it was a college town. There was, there were, it was a perfect storm of things. They were, you know, it's not going to work for everybody to go sell a hundred grand worth or a hundred thousand records, far more than a hundred grand worth. Uh, But, but, you know, having that consistency, people like it. It's a good thing. That's it. Familiarity. It's, but it's gotta be the right band and it's gotta be a band that's going to, that's going to play different things all the time. If you could get a band that can, that can honor requests in appropriate ways. Yes. Right. That's the band you want as your house band. Yeah. That's a house band, a band that can play varieties of music. They're always entertaining. They're entertaining to listen to, to look at, to dance to, but this is not an unsolvable problem. I mean, I I, I can already, I've already got the band in mind. Right. And in in my area as well, if if someone was to say, Hey Paul, put together a house band, you know, I'm going to give you six months you know, we're going to try and build something here and you're going to be every Friday night for six months. I know exactly the guys that I would call yep. and you know what I would want to do to like go over. I mean, you know, if someone was saying, yes, we're going to, we're going to commit to you. We're going to pay you every week. It's a regular gig, but I want you, you know, to help me build my audience here. And again, the, the interesting thing there is 
that's what you're hiring them to do to build your club. Well, well that's it. Yeah. You, because you it's own not it. like the band is going to go out. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The band doesn't need to promote it. Right. It's just, we, we want this. We're going to commit to it. Yep. No, I, that, I think that's brilliant. I, I, but there's also guys who are great players in the area, but they're not the guys that, I, you know, they're, they're, they can play anything, but they don't entertain. And I don't think you can do it with just, with just, I mean, it's like, um, what you want is like the roots on the late show. Yeah. You want, you want to cast the characters that everybody, in the audience connects to some part of it. And they're just having fun being, you know, being the soundtrack to the night. That's right. And they're entertaining when it's their time and, you know, whatever's going to go on. But that's the vibe. There's like, like I said, there's great musicians here who I would not. So it's not just about musicianship. No, you got to entertain. Not all. Yeah. yeah. Well, there are they need to be the family, family, right? They need to yes. be that band that that's playing. I mean, it, it's a different thing, but. You know, they need to be the cruise ship band, right? That that's yeah. that's just going to engage. And oh, hey, I saw you earlier, and willing to, I'm willing to talk to you, and it's okay. And you know, part of the family, they, and that's truly what they need to be is just a you know Absolutely. another facet to the family. For sure. Well, it's it's the roots. It's it's Paul Schaefer and the world's most dangerous band. Yep. They become the fabric, the vibe of your venue. Yeah. And I, I love that. I think it's, a, I think it's, that was the one thing I would really almost insist on doing because the upside, again, it's building my audience. That's it. I'm going to, you know, people are going to come to my club to see what's going on in my club and they know they're going to get this quality experience. So anyway, that's one thing. Here's another interesting thing. I love not, maybe not on a, on a, on a Friday or Saturday night, but I love, and these are starting to pop up a lot more around here. These theme nights, like 80s the best night. musicians in town. Well, no, uh, well, 80s could be a theme, but it's more like Tom Petty night, Neil Young night, you gotcha. know. And so all the great bands in the area, you want them to come be a part of it and find some win-win situation where, you know, is there some prize where the, the, the band that brings in their band and wins gets some kind of promotion or gets a gig with your club. But it's fun for everybody. And, and I got to go back. Win win. That is the deal. That is the, that is another universal secret to, to long lasting business. You take care of your business, but you're not out to take advantage of other people. Right. And and, uh, you know, that's that's you know, that's the karma God that that uh, that you're bowing down to. But I love these theme nights. Like I said, it could be, you know, Credence Night or, you know, whatever it is. And you have all the local bands coming in and Rick and Astor night. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> We, you just put us out of business, man. I know. Yeah, that's it. I'm never going to give you up, Paul. <laughs> I might put you down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that could be interesting. I, yeah, I like that. Right. You, me, 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 and maybe that's a once a month kind of thing. Right. You know, and, and, yep. and yep. Yep. Next month it's, uh, it's Prince night. Everybody do your best. Acoustic. <laughs> Acoustic singer songwriter happy hours, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And or even you know like Saturday or Sunday afternoon kind of things. Uh, those work well. I mean, you do a bunch of them. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But you know these kind of like we are active in the in the um, shaping of the music scene in our locale. Yeah, that's what that communicates. It's that's, not just. Yeah, that's what and that, you know, as I think about this, I mean, really, there's one club here that that 
sort of embraces not all of this, but but enough of it that it works for them. And it truly is a family vibe. It's this club, the Stone Church. It's where we do our fling fests. It happens to be about five minutes from my house. I don't go there nearly often enough. I should be there. You know, Lisa and I, every time we go, we're like, why aren't we here like four <laughs> nights out of the week? I mean, it's five minutes from the house uh, and they always have good music. And it you you just know that you can show up there and you're going to get good food. You get yeah. good booze and, you know, whatever you want, you know, good. They got good beer on tap and that kind of thing. And there's always good music. Uh, it may not be your style any particular night, but, you know, it's going to be good. That's cool. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing. So you just said you and your wife look at each other and say, why aren't we here four nights a week? Yeah. Why aren't you there? It's, so as a club owner, we want everybody to say exactly that. But more importantly, we want people to come back and, to act on that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So well, what is what is the barrier to keeping you and your wife from coming in there? So when we moved here 10 years ago, we had really young kids uh, mm. and it was difficult for us to leave them alone. Right. Uh, we couldn't. It, you know, I mean, you can't leave a, a, a five and seven year old alone in the house, you know, while they're asleep to go and, and go drink because that's that's really irresponsible. DCF tends to frown on that. Uh, so most of it is probably habit at this point, you know, but, but we're at that point where we can, we, we can, and actually have started breaking that habit. You know, I mean, our yeah. kids are 14 and 16, so it's the right time for that to, to start to happen. Of course, now we worry about leaving them alone for completely different reasons, but you know, that's just how life goes. So, yeah. So I, I'm going to offer this as, as kind of an interesting thing. We're talking about opening our club and a live music club. And, you know, there's a lot of people who will say, well, listen, uh, I can get a DJ for less than I can get a band. And, um, and, you know, the, a, a certain demographic is going to come. And this is a really important thing for you and I to kind of embrace because, you know, the gra- demographic of people who come to see me primarily, I'd say are 35 plus. Yep. Well, that makes sense. You've got to get past where I am. I mean, I'm, I'm way past 35 plus, but, but, you know, you, you can't cater to people with five-year-olds. Right. No, 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 no. Right. They've got to be people who can get out of the house. Correct. Correct. And are not too tired to get out of the house. So, so we yeah, should so put you're, that on you're the table. At, you're, you're, at the say, 20 to, you're at the 20 to 30 year olds or you're at the 40 year olds plus. But the, the 30 it. somethings is really, really almost impossible to, to really go after. Yeah. So here's the interesting thing. And, and I'm going to actually challenge anybody who's listening to this to think about this for a while. So, you know, one of the problems um, with live music, especially cover live music in many areas, as far as I can tell, there are classic rock bands coming out of the Wahoo. You know, a lot of people who want to play Zeppelin and want to play Beatles and that type of stuff, which is meaningful to some degree. There's not a lot of music in my opinion, and you can challenge this. You can, you can rip it apart. There's not a ton of music that is from the nineties beyond that is kind of long lasting music. There's not, you know, I don't know, you know, there were a couple cover bands that kind of do that alt rock stuff, but you can't really dance to that all night. And, and into my experience, but I will say this about the house rockers, even a band of guys who are, you know, 40 plus playing to audiences that are 35 plus. And I've, I've talked about this one club where we play, where uh, it's live music from 730 to 1030. And then a DJ from 1030 to 130. And I'll say this, we take kind of top 40 ish stuff and we make it our own, but not, not so much that you can't recognize it. And it seems to work for everybody. 
And so the concept of the DJ, you know, I don't I, I don't know myself whether it's because it, it went that way because it's cheaper or it went that way because this very, very highly produced music is, is hard to cover. We don't try to cover Beyonce to sound like Beyonce. Sure. For obvious reasons. But when we play a Beyonce song, the hook is there yep. and people like it and they can still connect to it. So, you know, there, there's not as much, there aren't as many bands now as there were when, when you and I were starting out or, you know, and certainly if you look at the demographic, I, I believe in your area. And I know in my area, the demographic of, of musicians in cover bands is, is getting up there. Right. But my point yeah. to all this. Yeah. I, I, I want to come back to the nineties thing, but, but get, make your point. Yeah. My, my point to this is, the problem is the insistence on on classic rock for getting a good mix of audience um, that can create work for you and can and make live music a vibrant scene. Classic rock alone and, you know, maybe jazz or other things that are traditional live music. I don't think in this day and age can sustain a live music scene. You have to connect to the music consumers and there is that 20 to 35 part. I don't think they dislike live bands. I think they've been conditioned to think live bands are, you know, playing someone else's music, not my music. Yeah. Now there is a, there is a great band in my area who does, um, who, who, you know, kind of wins those gigs. It, it was funny cause we were just talking about the gigs that we didn't get any, uh, offers to do any, uh, corporate Christmas gigs, but it's not that they didn't exist. And I'm thinking now, you know, if you work at Google or if you work at a lot of tech companies here, who's working at those companies, right? 20 to 35 year olds, right. right? Yep. And so this one band, I've talked about them on the show before. They do an excellent job of, of bringing to life mashups of that type of music right. and their work. How many bands and how many areas are doing that? And again, I may be clueless see, that. In see, every I other think I, we've talked about this nineties thing, right? And I think you're selling it short because it's just now coming into its prime. Is it? Yeah. Because I mean, we play a lot of 90s stuff in chafed right now. Chafed doesn't play all that often, but you know, there, there's a lot of these tunes, the, the better than Ezra's, the bare naked ladies, um, you know, that, that kind of stuff, we can fill sets with that stuff. And the people that come out now, know those tunes. Those are the tunes they, you know, that, that resonate with them from college and, and, you know, that time in their lives. But then they went dark because they went and had kids and all that stuff. And now they're coming out. And these are people that are maybe, you know, maybe five years younger than me. Right. It, you know, I, the nineties thing, I'm a musician. I'm a weird person when it comes to musical taste. And I never really, I, I like the bare naked ladies. Uh, fair enough. But you know, they're, I, I, the whole nineties thing was not my scene. But it was the scene for a lot of people. And I agree with you that the songs aren't that great for the most part, but there's some decent songs there. You know, there was the whole Goo Goo Dolls thing. And I mean, they had there was good stuff going on. And I think that's seeing more and more interest now. I mean, we're certainly getting more interest when we play, you know, when Chafe plays because we've got these tunes and people are like, oh, yeah, I know that, that, you know, they have that kind of visceral reaction to it. That we see, you know, actually people, people of all ages have to like the Beatles, right? You know, and so that stuff's there. I, but I think it's, it's just now it's time. Huh. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I would agree with you only, and I would only prove it this way, that it needed time. 
is the stuff that the other stuff, you know, the stones oh, was totally. constant, right? Yeah, yeah, but the stones, I mean, maybe it, it the stones was constant. It's been constant for you and I, but I mean, and I know you're a little older than me, but still the stones hey. have always been there. The Beatles have always been there. It took time, right? It took Beatlemania to create the demand for, you know, for or the market for that. I mean, the, the demand was there. I, you know, I, I feel like the Matchbox 20s and the Bare Naked Ladies of the World, that stuff's going to last. I mean, those tunes, you know, there's a lot of those Matchbox 20 tunes that are actually really good songs. I love Matchbox 20. I just, I have to say, you know, you've actually I mean? hit on the, the band that actually, like, great pop band, great exactly. rock band. They're a great rock right, band, well, but they're 90s, you know, and I mean, you've got the, the Hootie and the Blowfish and the, you know, I mean, all of that stuff, there's, there's, it, a lot of these bands only had one or two good tunes, but the tunes were actually good. So I, I think there's, right, I I'm think there's trust more you on it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say this. There's, there's good music always. It seems like that visceral reaction is, is where I would, is that where I would have the test. And so yeah. it doesn't seem like there is as much long lasting music. It's more like, Oh, I remember that song as to, Ooh, that song changed me. Yeah. And, you know, may, maybe music changed and, you know, th- there's not as much of that. But the point being of all of this, and I think we've got to wrap in a little bit here, but the point being that live music scenes in any town, you need inventive, creative musicians who understand what the music consumers want. Well, you need cautious. to go listen to that episode about aha songs that we did with yeah. Steve. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. that's that's what you need. And they can come but from understand they have to you finish that sentence. And that's what I was going to say. Yeah. They have to come from all genres or any, yes. any time period. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, cool. Yeah. All right. We're well, insane. I have some, it sounds like news. we can open our club, man. We're, we're, well, we're actually I, my, our aunt just texted me and, and she said, uh, we don't know what we're doing and she's not going to leave us any money. Oh, crap. Oh, well, crap. I guess we keep doing the show then. <laughs> we'll wait for somebody else's aunt to, uh, to bankroll exactly. this. Boom. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, not just tonight, folks, but all year. This has been a blast. Um, I know I'm having fun, Paul. I think you're having fun. I'm having a blast talking about music with you, just getting the feedback from from cool musicians that are out there in the world. I don't know if you saw it before we close. We had that nice guy um, on our Facebook page who left us a note saying he's a touring musician and he loves to listen to us you know, while he's on tour. And he said we're touching on the right topics that are kind of universal things and I just think that's really cool. I think it's fantastic. It's, it's what we do. Uh, what we do. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing. So yeah. Thank you folks. And uh, we'll see it. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Well, we'll see you next year. We'll see you next year. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Peace, Dave. See you.